Thank you so much for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Heather Hedges with Fidelity. We're only a few weeks into the first quarter of 2024, but already there have been plenty of developments to talk about since we last spoke. So to break down the latest financial headlines and what they mean for investors is Urian Timmer, Fidelity's Director of Global Macro, who joins us often on this show. Plus, today we are talking about ETFs. We're going to be covering the basics, but we're also going to dig a little deeper as well. So we've asked Leanna Devini, a Massachusetts-based branch leader here at Fidelity, to join us, as she often does, to get us up to speed on ETFs. And a familiar face to this show. Take a look, ladies and gentlemen. We are so excited to welcome back... A very good friend to this show, former Market Sense host Jim Armstrong is back with us today uh, on the other side of things today. He's going to be answering the questions and not asking them today. And he's going to be explaining the new spot Bitcoin ETPs that uh, were just approved by federal regulators earlier this month, which some say could have broad implications in terms of making investing in Bitcoin more accessible to the general public. And Jim is now a crypto team leader here at Fidelity, so he really knows his stuff and he's the host of a fantastic new webinar dedicated totally to crypto. So thank you to the three of you for joining us today. And Jim, my friend, welcome back. Best best introduction ever. Thanks. Thanks, fam. It's great to be back with everybody. We miss you, Jim. Great. Great. To, great to get the whole extended gang back together. It feels good, right? We are big Jim fans. And um, before we begin, just a reminder that you can also submit your questions to Leanna, Urian, and Jim by commenting on LinkedIn, YouTube, or our website if you're watching us there live. And I, I mean it when I say that we really do read all of your comments, so please keep them coming. We really appreciate hearing from you. And with that, today is Tuesday, January 23rd. It's our first regular episode of the year. Woohoo! Uh, you know, we had that fantastic Outlook show earlier this this month. And if you missed it, we're really proud of it. You can still catch it. The replay is still up right now. You can watch it on our website or YouTube. It's fantastic. Yurian and others had some really fantastic insights into where we might be headed this year. So first of all, great job with that, Yurian. And now let's just uh, let's get into it. Our, our, our regular weekly show back into the groove. Um, and as we often start things off on this show, Yurian, let's talk about the stock market because there's been a lot to talk about as of late. Uh, after 106 weeks of limbo, the S&P 5 500 hit a new all-time high last week. So first of all, can you put that milestone into context for us, Urian, and tell us how significant that is? Yes. Yeah, so last week was a major new milestone. Uh, the S&P 500 made a new all-time high after spending 106 weeks below the previous all-time high, which was set on January 3rd. 2022. So that's a pretty long time for the market to not be making new highs because, as we know, the market generally, if you're patient enough, um, tends to go up. It goes up about two-thirds of the time. So it obviously is in the inherent nature of the market to rise. And, and with that, obviously, comes new all-time highs on a relatively regular basis. But, of course, we had uh, the bear market in 2022 down 28%, then a recovery in 2023. But it's taken a while. So to spend two years sort of in, in market limbo, um, I think, is, is a fairly long time. And when you do the math, and of course, you know, I'm going to do the market math. Um, 
Typically, the market goes up about 8.5% in terms of price. Total return is more like 10 11%. But the S&P 500 price index goes up 8.5% uh, per year on average, about you know 70% of the time. When a new all-time high is made, the forward return historically has been higher. It's been about 13%, about 90% of the time. And a, a way of to, of to think about that is just when you're making a new all-time high, it's it's a, a form of momentum, upward price momentum, uh, because the, the prevailing long-term trend is being reestablished. Now, there's always going to be caveats, um, and there always are in investing, and there are certainly a few caveats for the market today. One of them is, of course, the narrow leadership that we all know about the Magnificent Seven, as they're called, these very large cap uh, tech stocks, are leading the charge, and um, and not much else is confirming. So the S&P 500 equal weighted index is still 5% below its highs. The Russell 2000 index, which is a small cap index, is actually still in a bear market, believe it or not, it's down 20% from its high. So the, the fact that the S&P and the Dow and the NASDAQ are making new highs um, is important, but it's it hasn't so far been broad-based. Although when I look at the historical data, it has happened where small caps are still kind of languishing, even though large caps are making new highs. And by and large, historically speaking, small caps do eventually catch up. So it's by no means in my view, uh, a, a bearish sign that it's only the S&P. Uh, but right now, the generals are leading, um, and, and, and that's really all that we have. Okay, so let's talk about where we are in the economic cycle, given what you just talked about. So it might not be broad-based yet, but certainly the overall tone in the market has become much more positive in the last few months, right? Investors certainly are, are seeming to be more optimistic right now about the overall direction of the market and the economy. Do you think this is justified, Urian? And can we now finally say that we are out of the woods in terms of a potential recession, or are we not there yet? Are, it, could the market kind of be getting ahead of itself still? Uh, well, we can never say we're out of the woods, but the, the question is, even if we're not out of the woods, what do you do as an investor? Are, are you going to sell everything because there's a possibility of a recession? And the answer is never that simple, right? If you, if you, if so, but but let me let me backtrack for a second. A year ago, uh, at the beginning of 2023, the overriding sentiment in the market was, you know, oh my God, you know, we had this big decline in 2022. It was driven by interest rates, not by a recession. But that recession is still out there. That other shoe is going to drop. And that was kind of the prevailing sentiment a year ago. Uh, we've come a long way since then because the economy actually has gained momentum rather than lose it. Uh, parts of the economy are slowing. Parts are actually still in a contraction. The manufacturing side of the economy actually is in a recession. Uh, but by and large, the economy has been quite resilient. Um, and and there's some, some upward momentum in certain parts. And at the same time, inflation um, has been improving. It's still above the Fed's target, but it's certainly down from where it was a year ago. And all of that together has meant that the, the Fed can finally start to kind of, you know, uh, they wouldn't declare victory by any chance, but but by any means. But the, the Fed can, is actually in a position where it can have an easing bias rather than a tightening bias. And the, the, the thinking is that the Fed may actually cut rates a few times this year. So 
that, that the fact the combination of a resilient economy and the Fed kind of taking its foot off the brakes a little bit uh, is, as you might imagine, a very powerful combination for stocks as well as bonds. Um, and I think that's where where we are coming into this year on, on a much better footing than where we did last year. Well, that's certainly encouraging, even if we can never say that we are fully out of the woods. All right, Urian, thank you. All right, let's switch over to Leanna now. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, today we're going to be talking about ETFs, of course, exchange-traded funds. So there are about 2,000 different ETFs available to investors today, and they allow investors to have exposure to companies and asset classes that you know some investors may not be able to afford holding individual shares in otherwise. So... Leanna, let's just first of all, let's just set the tone here, start with the basics here. What is an ETF and how does an ETF differ from a mutual fund? Sure. So an ETF, exchange traded funds, are baskets of securities that trade like stocks that you can buy or sell through a brokerage firm or on a stock exchange. So think grocery baskets of investing. Uh, they're governed by the Investment Company Act of 1940, and they're pooled investment opportunities. And they typically include baskets of stocks, bonds, or other asset groups based on the objectives of the ETF. So just like mutual funds, many ETFs track an index, and the index itself can be very broad or can be extremely narrow. The big difference between ETFs and mutual funds is really the way that they're priced, bought, and sold. So the price of a mutual fund is based on the NAV, net asset value, and that's typically determined once a day, and it's based on the closing price. Unlike mutual funds, ETFs, they buy and sell or trade like stocks. Um, so you can buy and sell them throughout the trading day. Also, ETFs are typically more tax efficient because uh, they generate lower capital gain distributions in comparison to mutual funds. All right, and I know there are passive and active ETFs. What's the difference? And over the years, we've seen the ETF market evolve. So I was also hoping, Leanna, maybe you could kind of get into a little bit the different types of ETFs that are available and what investors should know about the different types. Sure, so passive and active are the two types of ETFs. Passive ETFs are known more as an index fund. They, they track an index, so you can think like the S&P 500. Active ETFs, more similar to active mutual funds, they hire portfolio managers to then invest their money. They're seeking to beat that index, uh, beat the performance of an index. They can also tend to be more expensive because there's a portfolio manager there. And then ETFs have evolved. Uh, there, there's lots of them, as we mentioned, but depending on your interest, you can buy ETFs from technology, healthcare, solar energy. You can even do ETFs based on style. So think growth or value. You can also do themes. So think uh, socially responsible investing ETFs. So um, there's, there's a lot out there. Virtually every uh, conceivable asset class uh, has an ETF. Okay, risk tolerance, all different things you can um, think about when you go shopping. And, and you can go shopping for just about anything that you are looking for these days, it sounds like. And now that shopping basket includes Bitcoin, or it could include that. So, Jim, let's bring you in now. Thank you for your patience. Um, so, Jim, Bitcoin joining the exchange-traded party, you could say, was no easy task. Federal regulators were grappling with this decision for years. Um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about this decision. What is a spot Bitcoin ETP, and why is this such a big deal? Yeah, that's, Heather, that's, that's the question these days, it feels like, right? I, I want to take kind of a step back, though, to set the stage a little bit. Um, there have been 
crypto-related ETFs for quite a while now, right? Liana was just talking about the kind of themes for ETFs. Uh, one such theme, again, for quite a while now, has been what you could call cryptocurrencies or digital assets industry at large. So there are and there have been ETFs that would allow an investor to invest in a basket of securities and publicly traded companies that, let's say, were were into mining cryptocurrencies, were miners, or maybe even publicly traded uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, right? you could participate in an ETF based on a basket of, of assets like those. However, what's made headlines certainly this month has been the formal approval of spot Bitcoin ETPs. The Securities Exchange Commission, as, as you noted, Heather, has been studying and debating this for a really long time. And earlier this month, they approved in bulk about a dozen or so applications from firms that wanted to offer spot Bitcoin ETPs. Now, just to make things a little bit more complicated, a spot Bitcoin ETP is not technically the same thing as an ETF. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But at a high level, what a spot Bitcoin ETP does is it would allow somebody, an investor, to have exposure, indirect exposure, to the price of Bitcoin through an investment product that's available on a traditional stock market exchange like Liana was just describing. Uh, the ETP spot Bitcoin would be built to track the overall price of Bitcoin. And when you think about it, think about comparing that to, for example, buying Bitcoin directly on a cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, when and if you do that as an investor, you're the one who's completely responsible for securing and storing your digital assets. In, in the industry, that's, that's referred to as custody. And custody is a really hot topic because the individual responsibility for actual digital assets isn't necessarily a concern at the investor level if you're somebody buying an ETP. Though, of course, you definitely still wanna be, you know, doing business with a company that's that's reputable and that's a trustworthy place to invest in an ETP. So again, bottom line for a spot Bitcoin ETP, you may have fewer security considerations compared to buying Bitcoin directly. That's not, however, to say there aren't still security risks. We can talk about those. Uh, spot Bitcoin ETP also comes with trading limitations as well as investment risks. And at the risk of using all my time on one question, I just want to point out uh, other other Bitcoin related ETPs do exist and they have existed prior to this month. But those underlying assets tend to be uh, Bitcoin futures, which are derivatives of Bitcoin, as opposed to the spot Bitcoin ETPs, which focus on on the real thing itself, I guess. Okay. All right. First, don't feel rushed, Jim. We are so excited. It's been a long time coming, <laughs> having you back on this show. Take all the time you need, my friend. But you mentioned that you have been calling it an ETP. But when I was reading headlines about this, it said Bitcoin ETF. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could explain for me and the viewers the difference between an ETF and an ETP and why you are referring to it as an ETP. Yeah, for sure. It's a tricky one, I think, Heather, because you definitely see ETP and ETF used as synonyms a yeah. ton, particularly in, I think, in the news media and even in financial news, you'll see yeah. ETP and ETF used as synonyms, although technically they're, they're different things. Like you can think of ETPs, exchange traded products, as the umbrella term for a big, big category of investments and ETFs are under that umbrella. In fact, ETFs or exchange traded funds are actually the most common type of ETP. Now, Leanna uh, was describing ETFs a moment ago as pooled investment opportunities that, that typically include baskets, sort of a shopping basket full of, of different investments, and they're often targeted around specific objectives. 
the spot Bitcoin ETP that we're talking about today isn't that like at all, right? It's it's not diversified. It is not a mix of investments. A spot Bitcoin ETP holds 100% Bitcoin. So an investor is still exposed to all of the price volatility of Bitcoin itself. Now, ETPs and ETFs are uh, bought and sold during market hours, just like stocks. And that's another distinction, I think, that, that's useful to make between the Bitcoin spot ETP and buying Bitcoin directly. The, the cryptocurrency market is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But again, as Leanna mentioned a couple minutes ago, if you're, if you're interested in an exchange-traded product, you only have access to that when the market is open. Okay. Great explanation there. And spot it, Bitcoin is an ETP because it only holds Bitcoin. You don't get that diversification like you do with ETFs. That's right. Okay. So there's already been this heightened sense of anticipation as we were talking about um, for the Bitcoin ETPs yeah. going back to last year when Bitcoin futures soared, I believe, to their highest levels in two years at the time. So there's been all this anticipation. We've been getting lots of viewer questions from you about this new asset class. And Jim, some of the viewers are indicating to us that they're curious about it, but you know they also may have reservations about the volatility that they do have to consider. So who might consider a Bitcoin ETP versus just buying Bitcoin. How do you figure out what's the right fit for you? Yeah, I have a fairly long answer to that question, too, because I think people are right to have a lot of questions, right? There's a lot to, to make yourself comfortable with before you start investing in this space. So for perspective and for context, uh, Bitcoin, all cryptocurrencies, but Bitcoin in specific, very volatile, right? Up 150, 160% over the last year. I checked right before we went live. It was trading at about $39,000 a coin. Just a month ago, it was $47,000 a coin. A year, a year ago, it was about $20,000 a coin. A couple of years before that, it was close to $60,000. So it's, it's all over the place, right? That is almost the, the defining characteristic of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin in specific. Highly speculative assets tends to see big, big uh, price swings, lot, very volatile, which can make investing in Bitcoin directly as well as in these ETPs risky. So as we say, you should only be investing in crypto if you've got a very high tolerance for risk, if you can stomach the volatility like I just described it, and frankly, if you're prepared to lose the entire value of your investment. More to your question, though, Heather, crypto can be expensive. So spot Bitcoin ETPs potentially make crypto more accessible to the public. More investors can potentially start to invest. Also, I think this is an important one, too. An investor, frankly, might feel more comfortable buying a spot Bitcoin ETP through a firm they already have a relationship with, an established firm. Because, you know, it can be really hard these days to figure out who in the cryptocurrency space you want to do business with. A lot of them maybe are, are companies you haven't heard of or you're not sure what to make of them. Somebody who might want exposure to Bitcoin but isn't sure, you know, what cryptocurrency exchange to do business with now through these ETPs potentially has the option to choose a company or a firm they already trust, somebody they're already doing business with and get an ETP through them. So that might lower some of their anxiety there potentially. Okay. A lot to break down and a lot to think about. Thank you, Jim. You did a great job with that. And Yurian, I'd just love to bring you in to get your thoughts on this because I know this is a space that you're watching as well. Do you now see cryptocurrency with where it is right now as a valid asset class or could we even take it a step further? Do you see it as part of a healthy portfolio these days? 
Well, you know, it certainly has been a fascinating journey to be part of, and I'm speaking just of, of Bitcoin now and not, not crypto in general. Uh, but the way I look at it is, you know, crypto is, is aspiring to be an asset class. It's aspiring to be money, uh, not unlike, you know, some of the characteristics that makes gold money. Uh, you know, money is a store of value. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit of account. And Bitcoin is volatile, as, as Jim mentioned. So I don't really see anyone, you know, buying their, their cup of coffee with, with Bitcoin. But it does have some scarcity features in it, not unlike other stores of value. And I think that it, that is its primary um, use case is is exactly that. So its supply is built in to, to, to be capped at 21 million and that supply curve becomes increasingly asymptotic as we call it so it gets flatter and flatter and that's certainly part of the attraction um, and I think increasingly the the macro narrative of monetary policy what the Fed is doing whether real rates you know rates interest rates adjusted for inflation are positive or negative it, it has become a, a factor as well so it it's trying to be money it, it's a secured network at its basic premise uh, but it's trying, it's aspirational money and uh, it's coming of age. You know, it, Bitcoin has gotten everything thrown at it. It's had three crypto winters. It's had all kinds of other stuff. And it's still standing after 15 years uh, after it being launched. And to me, and this is just my personal view, it, it, it makes it harder to call it a fad or a bubble because bubbles, when they die, they don't, they don't recover. They, they're just, they just stay dead and Bitcoin keeps recovering. And I think that that kind of earns it a spot, at least for consideration on a menu of investment choices, whether it, it actually gets picked, of course, is a very individual um, consideration for every investor to make. But uh, but I think, you know, a, a place on the potential menu is where I think it's it's starting to land now. All right, Arian, thank you for your thoughts on that. And yeah, turned 15 this year, so it's been around for a bit now. All right, uh, let's go back to ETFs and take some uh, get some final takeaways here before we end the show. I know we're at time, but Leanna, if you could quickly kind of go through the pros and cons of adding them to your portfolio as a final takeaway. Sure. So I know Yurian just said the menu of investment options. So the same holds true for ETFs. I'd say the biggest pro is the diversification and the options. And then we talked about the tax efficiency component and the ability to trade it. Um, but I'd say uh, with diversification, there's many types of different ETFs. Uh, we want to caution from going all into one area of the market. So it depends on what your goals are, your risk tolerance, and your whole financial picture. So just to wrap, when you make the uh, when you're building a portfolio, first make sure your goals are aligned to that, and then you can build the ETF strategy from there, or you incorporate ETFs with a, another mix of investments. All right. Thank you, Leanna. Uh, I'm sorry that we're out of time, but really timely discussion today. Thank you to all three of you. And to our viewers out there, if you have questions about making a financial plan or staying on track, remember, Fidelity can help. So it's time right now to get out those camera phones. We are putting a QR code up today, which, listen to this, it's going to take you to our Crypto Learn Center, or you can type in fidelity.com slash learn crypto. And there you'll find the latest Bitcoin ETP developments and all of our crypto coverage, including Jim's latest crypto live stream. So if you missed Jim, 
that's where to find them. You can catch them there. Get that QR code scanned. Uh, you can also call us or go online to our website or download Fidelity's app to learn more about how Fidelity can help you with your investment goals. And remember, if you missed any part of this discussion today, you want to see it again, you can always catch the replay by going to youtube.com uh, or you can search the words market sense on fidelity.com as well. All right. A big thank you to Jim for coming back on. Jim, final thoughts? Happy to be here, and um, I'm happy to come back whenever you want. Well, I just might be calling you this summer when I need a vacation. Thank, thanks for always being willing to uh, pinch it as well. And on behalf of uh, Jim and Urian and Leanna, thanks to all of you for making the time today. We'll see you back here next week. Remember, we're on live Tuesdays at 2 Eastern time. Take care. Digital assets are highly volatile and their market movements are very difficult to predict. Various market forces may impact their value, including, but not limited to, supply and demand, investors' faith and their willingness to purchase it using traditional currencies, investors' expectations with respect to the rate of inflation, interest rates, currency exchange rates, an evolving legislative and regulatory environment in the U.S. and abroad, and other economic trends. Investors also face other risks, including significant and negative price swings, flash crashes, and fraud and cybersecurity risks. Digital assets may also be more susceptible to market manipulation than securities. A spot Bitcoin ETP is not an investment company registered under the Investment Company Act of 1940. The 1940 Act and is not subject to regulation under the Commodity Exchange Act of 1936, the CEA. As a result, shareholders do not have the protections associated with ownership of shares in an investment company registered under the 1940 Act or the protections afforded by the CEA. The performance of a spot Bitcoin ETP will not reflect the specific return an investor would realize if the investor actually purchased Bitcoin. Investors will not have any rights that Bitcoin holders have and will not have the right to receive any redemption proceeds in Bitcoin. Brokerage services in support of securities trading are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, FBS, and related custody services are provided by National Financial Services LLC, NFS, each a registered broker-dealer and member NYSE and SIPC. Neither FBS nor NFS offer a direct investment in crypto nor provide trading or custody services for such assets. As with all of your investments through Fidelity, you must make your own determination whether an investment in any particular security or securities or digital asset is consistent with your investment objectives, risk tolerance, financial situation, and evaluation of the security or digital asset. Fidelity is not recommending or endorsing this investment by making it available to its customers. Exchange-traded products, ETPs, are subject to market volatility and the risks of their underlying securities, which may include the risks associated with investing in smaller companies, foreign securities, commodities, and fixed income investments. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. ETPs that target a small universe of securities, such as a specific region or market sector, are generally subject to greater market volatility, as well as to specific risks associated with that sector, region, or other focus. ETPs that use derivatives, leverage, or complex investment strategies are subject to additional risks. The return of an index ETP is usually different from that of the index it tracks because of fees, expenses, and tracking error. An ETP may trade at a premium or a discount to its net asset value, NAV, or indicative value in the case of exchange-traded notes. The degree of liquidity can vary significantly from one ETP to another, and losses may be magnified if no liquid market exists for the ETP shares when attempting to sell them. Each ETP has a unique risk profile, detailed in its prospectus, offering circular or similar material, which should be considered carefully when making investment decisions. Bitcoin as an asset class is highly volatile, can become illiquid at any time, and is for investors with a high risk tolerance. Bitcoin may also be more susceptible to market manipulation than securities. Bitcoin is not insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or the Securities Investor Protection Corporation. Investing directly in Bitcoin does not offer you the same regulatory protections applicable to registered securities. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Tax laws and regulations are complex and subject to change, which can materially impact investment results. Fidelity cannot guarantee the information herein is accurate, complete, or timely. Fidelity makes no warranty with regard to such information or results obtained by its use and disclaims any liability arising out of your use of or any tax position taken in reliance on such information. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at that time and may change based on market or other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the 
opinions provided are those of the Fidelity speaker and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stocks involves risks, including loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to the increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. Fixed income investments entail interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall. The risk of issuer or counterparty default, issuer credit risk, and inflation risk. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary portfolio management services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, FSB, and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS. Each a member, NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments companies. This information is intended to be educational and is not tailored to the investment needs of any specific investor. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.